0: Hi, are you going through some crisis at the moment? If so, congratulations. You are gaining a powerful asset to make the best of life. And if you're not going through any crisis at the moment, also congratulations. Hang around and you will be a lot more prepared when crisis arrives. But make sure you fully enjoy your present moment. I am Zip. Your one and only Chief Quaterlife Crisis Officer, or how I'd like to call myself, the CQO. Joining with me in this talk series is our lovely co-host Hương. Together, we bring you two generations and one dream of inspiring you to bloom in
1: crisis. Hi everyone, my name is Huung, the other co-host of Blooming Crisis. Today, Sip and I are going to talk about the topic that we believe people of our age are very interested in learning more about, self-love and self-care. Through the sharing of our understanding of self-love, self-care, and our unique experience with the self-love journey, we want to help you and inspire you on your own journey to finding, understanding, and loving yourself. Before coming right to the topic, since this is the very first episode, I would like to tell you the story about how Zip and I got to know each other, and how we came up with the idea of this project. I first knew about Zip through a friend of mine, who introduced me to her personal blog. Impressed by Zip's way of thinking and her writings, I reached out to her to let her know about my interest and asked Zip for some personal advice, which led to an unexpected two-hour conversation. And to my surprise, Zip asked me, Do you want to work with me? On the very first time we talked, and she barely even knew me. Yeah, why not? I would love to. And that was how we started our idea to make a podcast. Throughout the process, Although we have encountered some challenges, we have found ways to embrace the hardness and continue to embark on this beautiful journey. When looking at our crisis moments, we don't see them as something bad, but rather opportunities in life to help us grow. That is why we chose to name our podcast as Blooming Crisis, as it is a way to say that from our hard times, we can learn, improve, and become a better version of ourselves. But how can we turn our crisis into blessings? Let's join us to find out. Chi, what do you think about self-love? Like, what is your own definition of self-love? I think that
0: everyone has different ways of defining it. Actually, I wrote a blog post about self-love about a year ago. If you're interested, you can go to my blog at thecql.com and you can read it. But I see that self-love is a journey and not a destination. Oftentimes, we think that self-love is a checkbox, especially on social media when we see posts that show us how to do self-care and self-love. But my way of looking at it is that there's just no ten steps to self love. There are many times that we feel like we have arrived at it, and then something happened in our life, and then we need to pick up ourselves again. And that's why it's a journey. It's always about learning how to love ourselves more, how to love ourselves again.
1: How about you? I'm curious about how you define self love for yourself. mm mm-hmm. I think my definition of self love is kind of different from yours. But I guess the foundation of my self-love is similar. To me, I also think that self-love is not a destination that we arrive at. But I want to focus more on the fact that self-love to me means being able to embrace all the emotions and being okay with myself even when I'm not feeling okay. Or not only on my good days, on the days that I feel pretty, but also on a day that I consider bad on the days that I'm sad or disappointed of myself. Um, there is a saying from one of my friends that I really like. She told me her definition about self-love is that she thinks of self-love really simple. Like it is the ability to answer yes to the question, are you happy today? And if the answer is no, then it's okay. It doesn't mean that you hate yourself or you are not on the right track for self-love. It just means that you're having a bad day, you're sad, but you know that you will work on it or you will find a solution to solve your problem so that you can be happy again. And Mm -hmm. that's the weight of self-love for me. Which is
0: very interesting because just by listening to how you describe it, I think that We both agree that self-love is not a checkbox, right? I think it requires practice. It requires our mindset to really frame it in the right way because to your point, even if you don't feel happy in that day, it's okay because you understand that emotions are only natural. And to me, I actually bucket self-love in a few main areas. So I think that self-love has to start from self-awareness. You cannot understand yourself to love yourself until you start paying attention to how you're feeling, to what's going on in your mind, in your heart. And I think that's why self-awareness is just so important and it should be the fundamental of self-love. And then you need to have self-respect because unless you respect your feelings, your emotions, your ability, your personality, you will not be able to think about yourself seriously. And I think that's why... Self-respect is also very important for self-love. And then from self-respect, you need to gain self-trust. And what it means is that you need to trust yourself. You cannot love yourself if you don't trust yourself. You need to trust that this is the path for you. It can be very different from everyone else. But this is where you're heading and you're on the right track. And you have the ability to change the situation that you are in, even if you're having a bad day. So that's self-trust. And then self-forgiveness. Because oftentimes, we tend to be so critical of ourselves, and I'm also guilty of that. We forget to forgive ourselves. We find it hard to forgive ourselves when we fail, or when the society makes us feel like we fail. Not necessarily that, We failed at it. So I think that we need to let go of the past to move on, to embrace the present. So self-forgiveness is also very important as part of self-love. So those are the four main buckets that I think they have to be there for self-love. And when you think of it that way, maybe it helps make self-love more specific so you are more aware if I kind of go off track of self-love, how can I pick me up again? And by reminding yourself of these four buckets, at least it gives you a sense of direction and guidance to get back to the right track of self-love. And that's why it's a journey, right?
1: That's a really interesting mindset of self-love. So I've heard you talked about the four main buckets of self-love, right? Which is self-respect, Self awareness, um, self forgiveness, and remind me of the last thing.
0: Self trust.
1: Yeah, self very important. <laughs> trust <Yep>. yourself. <laughs> so I wonder how about self hatred, because I-, I know that even though it's the opposite thing of self love, but a lot of people I've known told me that in order for them to get to the stage of self love, they have gone through times when they hated themselves. And therefore, I wonder what you think about this. Like, there is the relationship or connection between self-love and self-hatred.
0: Mm-hmm. That's actually a very interesting point because I do see that people can be better at loving themselves after going through a dark time in their life, and maybe to your point, even like hating themselves. But I don't think that it is the requirement to love yourself. You don't have to hate yourself to love yourself. And I actually don't encourage romanticizing hatreds. I do embrace the struggles. I do embrace my dark times throughout my journey. But I don't think that you have to hate yourself in order to love yourself. Now, when you go through such period of time when you hate yourself, maybe it teaches you a lot of... Good lessons to help you realize more about your self-worth. The ability to fight back and get back on track. I personally have gone through a very low period in my life. But I never hated myself. I did doubt myself. That's the thing. There's a difference between hating yourself and doubting yourself. Doubting yourself is... The feeling that you felt maybe you're just not enough. Maybe something's wrong with you because that's how sometimes the society makes you feel that way. And it created a lot of self-doubt for me personally. But I n- never hated myself. And now I am falling in love with myself, but I didn't have to go through a phase when I have to hate myself to love myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And again, I don't encourage anyone to think that they have to hate themselves first before they can love themselves. No, it's not like that. It can make you have a more powerful realization of yourself if you've gone through a very dark period of time. Because hate is a very extreme word, but it's not a requirement of self love.
1: I understand. So I think from your point, you mean that like, it's okay to have bad times or dark times in which you will be able to get your courage and then rise again. But it's not encouraging that we should feel too extreme about ourselves to the point that we hated ourselves. Because yeah, I think that's rather risky because who knows how long it's going to take for us to rebound and then love ourselves back again.
0: Yeah. It's actually very dangerous if you think that you have to hate yourself to love yourself because that's toxic. Yeah. I'm just calling it out because I don't want anyone to think that people can only love themselves after they hate themselves. When I went through a very low period of my life, I think that what I experienced it happened naturally. It happened organically. And life happens. Everyone goes through different phases in their life. When you think that you have to go through a dark time to arrive at self love, it will attract that negative experience in your life, you know, because you're seeking it. That's true. If you're trying to fight that
1: in your life, you're going to have it. I, I think we believe that there's an easier road to self love. Although it depends on person's mindset and definition of self-love right i wouldn't frame it as easier but i would
0: frame it as healthier (laughs) yeah (laughs) a healthier road to self-love i don't think that everyone is the same some people do have a harder time to love themselves and speaking of my own experience i know that it was hard because it depends on the circumstance that you're in. It depends on who you surround yourself with. It depends on what you're exposed to. You know, the information, uh, especially on social media nowadays, who you're
1: following mm, matters. That's
0: true.
1: Um, I think that it will be healthier to embrace on a journey of self-love in which we don't have to go through that self-hatred stage.
0: Yeah, it's all about cultivating a healthy mindset, right? Because as I said previously, there will be times that we feel challenged to love ourselves again. And to some people, maybe it's very natural for them to not have to go through that struggle, getting back on track. But for many other people, it can be challenging. Yeah, The journey of self-love is not smooth all the time. So it's all about cultivating a healthy mindset. So whenever we feel like we fall off the track, we know how to go back to the four buckets that I talked about at the beginning to get us back on the right track. It's about teaching ourselves to recognize what's good and what's bad. Because as soon as we realize something is bad, we know, okay, let me take a step back. Let me understand how I'm feeling. And process that. So it's about allowing ourselves to be honest with ourselves and know what's good and what's bad so that we stay away from what's bad to us. We let go of that and we do more of the things that's good for us, that makes us better, that bring out the best in us. And that goes in who we are hanging out with, what we are expose ourselves to, what we digest, information, food, anything is in every aspect of life.
1: So speaking of the thing that you just mentioned about bringing themselves closer to the things that are good for us and trying to prevent ourselves from falling into the bad things, I wonder if you think there's a big difference between self-love and self-indulgence. Because self-indulgence, to my understanding, is that we also indulge ourselves in things that we think are good for us. But the difference is that in reality, they may be good for us at that time, but it's only temporary and the benefits are not realistically permanent. So what you think about that?
0: I think that you bring up a very good point about the differentiation between self-love and self-indulgence because... That's why we need to be very aware of ourselves. To what point we are doing too much of something that it can make us become lazier or egocentric. These are all the things that we need to be very aware when we do something. How are we feeling when we are doing it? Is it making us feel better? And if better, in what sense? So... I do think that there are many things one can do to make them connect with themselves more. And it goes back to self-connection, right? Self-love is self-connection. How, how we can connect to ourselves better so that we can be more aware of ourselves. But we need to have this mindset that we want to become better. There's no self-love without wanting to become better. Because if we are so comfortable and satisfied with where we are, in a sense, it can prevent us from achieving our highest potential. Uh, And I think that there's always the optimal point of everything. When we are too extreme about something, it takes away the benefits and the good things from the other parts of our life. So going back to your point about self-indulgence, when we are too indulged in something, in only the comfort of life, it takes away the challenge, the better things in life that we could have achieved if we push ourselves a little bit more. So there should be um, not balance, but harmony in our lifestyle um, So it's all about being so aware of ourselves to know what's the optimal point for us in each area of our life.
1: Yeah, I agree with that too, because I also think that each person has their own, like you said, lifestyle or optimal point. In which they define their self-love with. So some people want to reach more potentials of themselves. So they are willing to take more risk. Or they are willing to push themselves more to take the chances. But some other people are willing to just be satisfied with their own achievements that they have for now. And they are okay with the slow but rather steady improvement and growth. And I think that's also okay. It just depends on your preference and how you associate your self-growth with the self-love journey.
0: Yeah. Even what we are doing now with this podcast, the way that I'm looking at this is that we are providing our listener with more information and uh, good food for thought so that hopefully... Our listeners can reflect on themselves, on their life, their experience, to pick and choose what's best for them. Because again, there's no 10 steps to self-love and everyone is different. So yeah, I think that it goes back to self-awareness. We need to know our optimal points in different areas of our life. And the only way that we can figure it out is really focusing on how we feel, and call it out. When we feel sad, when we feel happy, try to be more specific, you know? Like, what is that emotion of happiness that we are experiencing? What is the emotion of sadness that we're experiencing? Because feeling sad and feeling happy are very general. How can we be more specific? Are we sad because we are disappointed? Is it because we are nervous or depressed or if we are happy is it because it's just pure joy or is it because we just achieve something that allow us to feel proud of ourselves so call it out call out the emotions that we are feeling and experiencing as specific as possible and look at it as a separate entity from us so instead of calling it as I am sad or I am disappointed, recognize it as this is disappointment that I'm experiencing. And the more you practice doing this, the more you're going to be aware of yourself and understand yourself better. And that's how you know what's good for you and what's bad for you, essentially.
1: Yeah. So for the story that you just said, I just have one question because. I wonder. So, for example, for now you have identified your emotion and you call it disappointment, and you're able to see it as a separate identity. So, what would you do next in order to improve the situation or gain the self-love stage condition again?
0: So that's a good example that we can discuss, right? So that hopefully our listener can understand better about the process of um. I call it analyzing our emotions. And I think that the more that you objectify our emotions, the better we are at handling it because we don't feel like we are our emotion. We can separate our emotion from us, which means that we don't let the emotion define who we are. So instead of saying that I'm disappointed, and change it to, this is disappointment. It allows us to investigate, in a sense, or examine what it looks like, why we experience this, why we have these emotions. And it allows us to chase back to, okay, what did I experience that bring this emotion to me? And the more that you chase back and analyze emotion, you will be able to recognize toxic pattern that leads you to that emotional stage. And when you recognize it, you are more sharp in recognizing the red flags in different situations. And when you associate the patterns with the emotion that you're feeling, it allows you to know when you see something like that happen again. This is not good for you. And this is why you need to let go of the situation or somehow protect yourself from not engaging with it. So always calling out your emotion as the first step, observing it and analyzing it. When you analyze it, remember what brings you back to that and apply it in future situations because we learn from our experience, right? And in life, we test our many things many events to help us recognize what's good and what's bad for us so don't be afraid of that and even though i do encourage everyone to analyze their emotion to help them recognize the patterns that lead them to that emotional stage but at the same time i do also encourage people to still keep an open mind so that you are still open to a new experience sometimes you just need to test the water a little bit right and when the water feels a little too hot, or when you start getting that sensation that is not safe, you get out before you hurt yourself. But do keep an open mind though, because otherwise, if we are too analytical of everything, it can be another extreme. So mm, going back true. to what we were talking about, finding the optimal point in every area of life, this is also one of
1: them. Mm so what if there is a situation that we cannot avoid because Mm -hmm. i feel like personally for me growing up also means that you have to deal with some situations that maybe you are not ready for it or you may not enjoy it but Mm -hmm. you know that it may benefit you in the future or it may do you good in the future so it would take some trade-off or sacrifice to still stay in the situation So do you have a strategy for us to cope with the situations where we see the red flags, but we still have to be in that situation?
0: Yes. So my personal way of coping with this situation is that I actually always believe that everything happens for me. No matter how unwanted the situation is, I always think to myself that this is going to be very helpful for me in the future. And I have no regret of everything that I have gone through, even though there are many things that I have done in the past I would never do again. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) We all have that face, right? I think Mm -hmm. all of that are valuable to us, but we can only see the value in them when we believe that they have value. So I think that my way of coping with these situations is that it has to start from having faith in... Our experience, trusting ourselves, going back to self trust. And at the same time, be very sober about it though, because again, not encouraging anyone to romanticize painful experience, but to just experience it because it is an experience. We still need to recognize that this is not good for us so that we keep looking for opportunities. To get out of that situation or do small changes in our life to change the situation that we are in without indulging in the toxic environment. So embrace it, but don't engage, don't indulge in that experience. Have to be sober.
1: So I guess it'll be all about the change in mindset because the circumstances or the settings the environment that we are in it's hard for us or it's kind of impossible for us to change it so i think it's time to change our mindset so that we can adapt it and then grow more and learn more from it because as you have said everything is a learning experience right
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i think that it also allows you to kind of have a little bit of fun with life. If you think of yourself as a student of life, everything around you teaches you something valuable. So when you see yourself as a student of life, you can have fun with it. You know that sometimes you have good grades and sometimes you have bad grades. And (laughs) as someone who also had many bad grades before when I was in school, when I reflect on it, I actually really embrace that period of time in my life because it allowed me to be more playful with even unwanted circumstances in in our life it's just like there are some tests that we have a low grade but it's not that we will always have low grade
1: you mm-hmm. know understand life.
0: Mm-hmm. have fun with life i think that the more playful you are in your mindset the lighter you will feel when you encounter some unwanted situations because you can laugh at yourself at times which is very important i laugh at myself Mm -hmm. all the time and sometimes (laughs) i have personal dialogues with myself to talk me out of the situation so just having fun with life is a very healthy coping mechanism don't take everything too serious be serious about what matters but laugh at yourself i encourage everyone Mm -hmm. to, to do that after this episode. (laughs) (laughs) And to be honest, like this is our first time doing a podcast and recording the first episode and we already encountered so many bumps in our recording just today alone. Like how many times that we have restarted? Fifth? I think. Yeah, fifth. (laughs) (laughs) Like something like that. Uh, Yeah, yeah, like sometimes we just need to laugh at ourselves. This is what happened, right? And it's fine. We're gonna learn as we go and that's self-love to me.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I really like it that while I was kind of panicking, you always reassure me or you always like, yeah, you always tell me, oh, it's okay. It's okay to mess up this time. It's okay that we didn't report it properly. We'll do better next time. So I feel safe and I feel like, oh, I've just made a mistake, but it's okay as long as I learn from it. And as long as we can improve it for the next episode, then things will be okay.
0: Yes, it's always going to be okay. It's always <laughs> going to be okay. And it's always going to be better. That's, <laughs> that's actually the mindset that I always have for myself is that it is okay, but it is always going to be better. And when you believe in it, when you are optimistic about the future, it motivates you to take action because you believe that it can be better. So when you think that, oh, it's always going to be bad, no matter what I try, no matter what I do, when you think like that, you tend to stop trying harder because you don't believe that you have the ability to change your future. But when you are optimistic about the future, you know that you can be better. It allows you to feel more motivated to seek opportunities to improve yourself. So uh, actually, it reminds me of self-manifestation that a lot of social media posts show. I, I don't know if you've come across them, but um, yeah. I think that it is too simplified to think of it that way. I think that there's no such thing that if we only think positive about something, we will have a positive outcome. It's always about... Having faith in a better future, but at the same time, we need to take action towards it. And to me, that's self-love. Otherwise, it's going to (laughs) be (laughs) self-blindness.
1: So you mean that like recently, most of the social media posts which talk about self-love or self-development, They only focus on the part of showing people, oh, this is going to be how self-love looks like or this is how it's going to be for you to motivate yourself or to help you to develop yourself. But they actually didn't show the process of taking actions to do it or how we can work hard to get the results that we want, if that's what you mean. Um,
0: Yeah, I wouldn't say that like all social media posts are like that, but I look at it as two sides. On the one hand, it's very good to have these small bites of information to help you understand what self-love is like. But on the other hand, it is very limited. It doesn't really capture the full picture, the whole process of self-love. It's not customized to anyone. Understanding that, is very important because I think that it requires a lot of practice. It requires patience with ourselves. And it requires testing. We need to test out like what works and what doesn't work for us. And we need to be very aware of how we are feeling when we test them out to understand what works for us. Because one thing that works for others doesn't necessarily mean that it also works for you so i do see both sides of digesting information on social media i I do see the the good sides but also the limited side of it and hopefully this podcast will help our listeners understand that self-love is a journey that is customized to each one of us Mm, yeah yeah
1: So you just talked about how we make this podcast with the purpose to help the listener to learn more about the journey or how it takes to get to self-love, right? So I wonder if each of us can share a piece of the story or a lesson that we think is special during our journey towards self-love.
0: There are so many (laughs) stories. (laughs) There are always so many stories. But I think that to start with one. And I think that this is actually a very important one to me, is what my dad has taught me about self-love. And this is something that's going to stay with me for the rest of my life because I love serving people. It brings me joy. I love doing things for other people. I love giving and caring for other people. And when I was younger, I could be very disappointed in the outcome of the situation or I could feel hurt Or I could feel exhausted throughout that process, even though that's still my passion. That's what I love doing. And that's essentially what brings me joy in a day. So on the one hand, I don't want to stop doing it because that's who I am. But on the other hand, what my dad has taught me and reminded me about the um, oxygen mask rule when we are on the plane is that just remember that when the pressure dropped in the cabin, and the oxygen mask fall down, you need to use it for yourself first before you assist others. Because if you are not safe, if you are not healthy, if you are not alive, how can you help others, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, that's a very important lesson that I carry with me for the rest of my life. And the more I grow up, the more I have learned to find that optimal point to understand, okay, this is what I need to do for myself so that I can feel energized, I can feel full, or if I'm not full, then I need to like water myself, right? There's no half full or half empty. You can always refill your water. Um, What do I need to do for myself so that I can help other people more? So that to me is a very important lesson about self-love, that you need to love yourself first in order to serve other people, to love other people.
1: How about you? I think for me, a very big lesson that I've learned about my self-love journey that I just learned through this COVID time is that um, I learned more about embracing and loving my weakness. Because previously, before that, for me, I used to think that being vulnerable in front of other people or crying in front of other people is a sign of weakness. So when I was in my bad time, when I was being vulnerable in front of other people, even the ones that I feel so close with or the ones that I can confide in, I was having doubts with myself because I wonder why I couldn't handle my work or my stress or handle my situation on my own. Why do I need to be emotionally dependent on other people to deal with my stress? Or why am I being so weak in front of other people, a thing that I don't usually do? But then, after talking with my mom and my close friends who told me that it's okay to not be okay, especially during this hard time, I started to realize that I shouldn't really be harsh on myself, that I should. Also be okay with my weakness, be okay with the fact that sometimes I'm vulnerable. Sometimes I'm dependent on other people for help. And that it's okay to ask for help to do my work. I think that's the big lesson for me because at that time that I learned to fully love myself, even my insecurities or even the sides that I don't actually like before. Yeah, so that's my story. So it's funny because you call it as your weakness. I actually see that it's your strength.
0: And I think that it takes so much courage for someone to be vulnerable. Personally, I don't look at anything as a weakness. I look at it as this is my strength and this is where it's more challenging. There's no weaknesses, in my opinion, because everything even the areas where we find challenging to ourselves, it makes us who we are. It makes us interesting. I think that, first of all, we know that no one is perfect, but I think that even if someone was perfect, (laughs) that person would be so boring because sometimes like having some opposite sides in you, it makes you an interesting person. It makes you who you are. It makes you unique. And where you find challenging can be very attractive about you. And vulnerability actually connects people. Why do you think that I mm-hmm. I like you from the very first call when yeah. we just yeah, talked yeah, for I was like maybe two minutes? To you. Mm-hmm. I think that's your strength. <laughs> I mm-hmm. don't think it's your weakness at all. Not to mention, I just said that we shouldn't look at any part of our life as weaknesses. It can be more challenging but that's not our weakness. We can use that uh, to our benefit. Mm-hmm. And maybe that can be another episode. But it's always about mm-hmm. our perspective and mm-hmm. looking at different things in our life. Because with the same picture, mm-hmm. one can see a very negative and the other one can see the positive out of it.
1: So I'm curious, why do you think vulnerability is something that we should be proud of as our strength instead of something that we should work on to improve?
0: It's very simple because I think that when one can allow themselves to be vulnerable, it means that they accept who they are for the fact that this is me and I'm going to be honest with myself and I'm going to embrace it. And that's why it's a strength. And when you allow yourself to be vulnerable, you connect with other people better through your experience. And oftentimes it brings you the right connection and allow you to have a deeper connection with the people in your life. So I think that it is definitely a strength.
1: That's interesting because after hearing what you said, I started to shift my mindset into thinking that vulnerability is something that is not a bad thing about me, but something that I would want to work on to improve into being proud of it and maybe like just keeping it as my unique characteristic. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: And also because I do believe that people who are okay with being vulnerable, are also more empathetic and have better EQ, which is very important. And when you frame mm-hmm. it that way, it I is agree. a strength. Emotional intelligence is definitely a strength.
1: So, today we share our perspectives and experience with self love. Although this is the very first episode and we encounter a few difficulties with recording, I truly think that we had a lot of fun. We would love to also read your self-love stories and welcome all your feedback, questions and ideas that you want us to talk about in our next episodes. So email us at bloomingcrisis at gmail.com or send us direct messages on Instagram or Facebook. Don't forget to follow us at Blooming Crisis on all social media platforms and subscribe to our podcast to get notified on our upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening and if you find it helpful, feel free to also share it with your friends and family. As we are all in this journey together, we don't want to say goodbye. We'll see you later.